Hey, it's Dan Harmon from Harmontown. I want to tell you about an exciting new podcast coming to Feral Audio called Launch Left. Rain, Phoenix, and Moon Zappa are going to interview extraordinary minds, mavericks, and pioneers in their fields. This season, Launch Left is going to celebrate nonconformists like Michael Stipe, Shepard Ferry, Spike Jones, Mario Batali, and many others. And those guests are also going to spotlight their favorite left-of-center emerging artists. So listen and subscribe now at feralaudio.com slash left, iTunes, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can do it however you want, man. That's the nonconformist part. Guys, I want to tell you about a great sponsor I have, Bompus. They're premium high-performance athletic socks, and they're so comfortable you're never going to want to take them off. And because socks are the number one requested item in homeless shelters, for every pair of socks purchased, Bompus donates one pair of those to those in need. Almost one million pairs donated to date. 15% off the first purchase of four or more socks. Plus free shipping. So go to getbompus.com slash feral and buy some comfortable socks. Feral Audio. For listening to my show, if you like the band there, that is a uh, playing there my theme music there. Let me say there a few more times there. Uh, that is a band called Les Blanks. Uh, go to lesblanks.com, check out more of their stuff. If you haven't listened to my show before, it is just what the title implies. It is me having a conversation with somebody groovy and cool and hip. And today is uh, no exception to this rule of my show. <laughs> Uh, today I talked to Marco Davis, uh, and this is the f- uh, first interview I did when we went up to Astoria, Oregon, to interview the special people up there. And it's a gosh darn good one. Uh, Marco gives me a drag name. He uh, he starts. A, I'm gonna. I have a really hard time saying Dragulution. I, I can never say it. Uh, but he has this amazing drag show up there. Oh yeah, and speaking of which, uh, one of his songs is going to be at the end of this conversation, uh, a song called Angry Handjob. I think you're going to want to hear it, I think. And uh, it's pretty incredible. Um, also, there, if you go to the, the mattdwyer.com, uh, there are uh, blogs and photos about and video uh, there of my talk with uh, Marco and our drive up to Astoria and all that stuff so you can get a feel for this great town and uh, Marco Davis by going to the website. Sometimes it's taking us a couple days to get the video up uh, after the episode goes up, so be patient and just visit themathwire.com. There's all kinds of blogs and past episodes you could visit. Speaking of past episodes, why don't you just also just uh, peruse my other shows? I've had a lot of great, incredible guests, and, uh, you know, take that time out. I'm also, one thing I've been kind of... um, flip-flopping on in, 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 in these um, intros to the show is, uh, you know, because now I've d- gone to Astoria, now I'm back in uh, Los Angeles, and, uh, you know, I'm having my life, and I'm like, do I talk about my life, or do I just solely talk about Astoria, Oregon, and up there? I don't know. But today I had, I got, uh, I, I had a weird happening. I was... Um, 
my girlfriend was uh, Kelly Rose was uh, and who does all of my photos uh, at, was shopping for shoes and you know that's a uh, real fucking boring thing for a guy to participate in just standing there in the women's shoe store uh, trying to not look like a creep and uh, so I did what every good red-blooded American does is uh, I started looking at my phone and. I got an email from Stan Stan Ridgeway, <laughs> who is the lead singer of the band Wall of Voodoo. Maybe you remember the song Mexican Radio. Uh, they were a very big deal, and he's a very big deal. And I was like, what the fuck am I getting an email from Stan Ridgeway for? <laughs> it's like, like, what does he possibly... And then my ego kicked in, and I was like, oh, Stan wants to do the show. Stan Stan is a fan of the old conversations with Matt Dwyer. So I open up this email, prepared to be real enjoying of praise or something about me. And it's simply, I uh, wrote a blog about uh, the f when I first interviewed Hud's artist Hudson Marquez, and I put a picture in the blog of him and what I thought was his wife, but it turned out to be uh, Stan Ridgway's wife. And Mr. Stan Ridgway wanted me to correct this. <laughs> now, I don't know if Stan is spending a lot of time on the internet or something these days, because I don't know. It was on a blog page I don't even use anymore. Um, like a, a Tumblr page I, I don't use. Um, now that I have a fancy website. So it was very... Uh, and then I even screwed up further, and uh, I misspelled his name when I was trying to praise him as and tell him I was actually a fan. Um, it was a very strange thing, but, uh, I did have the, uh, you know, I did the, the good Hollywood thing and I asked him to do my show. And so hopefully that's going to happen. I used it. I did the Hollywood thing. I used it to my advantage. Like, um, you know, like if somebody gets hit by a car, you film it, you get yourself on television, you sell the footage you use that to your advantage. That is the way we do things around here. You, If your person you're working with, your business partner, um, you sell them out. If they have a cocaine problem, you get the business to shut down. I don't know what I'm talking about. Anyway, um, this is an incredible episode. Please uh, uh, go to my the Conversations with Matt Dwyer page at feralaudio.com go to the amazon link and put that in your toolbar and anytime you shop from amazon uh feral audio and conversations with matt dwyer gets a kickback of that money and that'll help support us now without further ado here is my conversation with dancer oh that's something i forgot too um and this is in the blog that i wrote about marco he is an incredible chef and we went to this night where he was cooking, and uh, Shane Bugby was with us. And if you know anything about Shane, uh, he's a guy who likes to talk, and he does it often. And <laughs> and uh, and I, you know, and I'm I'm no uh, quiet, silent monk myself, you know. But we went and had Marco cook for us, and we did the chef's um, chef's uh, mercy. So he'd just make you whatever the hell he wants. And it was like a work of art. Like w all four of us just went silent and stared at our food and consumed it. And there was no other world but the plate of food that you were chomping down on. And it was incredible. Uh, but uh, yeah, we talk about that. We talk about the world of drag. 
and dance and growing up in the it's do you know what let's just listen to marco davis My first impression of walking in here and meeting you is that you're very, there's a very, there's a calmness, there's a great vibe in your apartment, and you feel, I felt like immediately warm and, and safe around you. <laughs> that's awesome. I, that's my mission in life is to, I just, I like that quality of giving and of feeling warm. And when people come over to my house, I want people to feel that they can just be themselves and we always call this just the free space and that people, when they come over, you don't worry about what you say or how you behave. You just get to be yourself and it stays here. It's just a very, I have a very tight and warm, loving, safe group of people in this community and it keeps expanding all the time. Yeah. And, and just to speak from my own experience of like, um, growing up in an adverse and a troubled home <laughs> and stuff and then so I, I can't but to try to I try to, um, to work myself towards that so to, for you to have created that it's it must have it's not an easy place to get to oh no it's a daily struggle <laughs> <laughs> some days I smudge like three days in a row you know it's just like uh, or three times in a day rather you know it's just some, but And it just depends. It's always shifting. And some days it's easier to be warm and gracious. And other days it takes a little extra time to kind of ground myself in. And But when I go out, I always want to bring the best part of me forward when I go out of the doors of the house. So it's because I am being like an independent contractor i guess you'd call it because i'm a massage therapist i have a dance studio and to do private dinners and stuff so it's all about being as fully myself as i can be so people know what they what they're getting i guess yeah you have uh multiple creative things you pursue which i always love to talk to people like that because it's gives me it makes my job a lot easier right. <laughs> but it's also it fascinates me because i feel like i'm good at maybe two things maybe <laughs> and then there's somebody like you who's incredible at a lot of things well i don't know if incredible i just <laughs> i i love doing everything and growing up we in my house we were just given free reign to be able to do things like my brothers and sisters and I would trade bedrooms every three months and see who could decorate them better. And my dad was a janitor, and so he'd always let us use the old paint from, like, we'd get at rummage sales and stuff. And we could paint our rooms and do whatever. And so, I don't know. I just feel that I've never wanted to be just one part of who I am, but I want to be every aspect. And so I've just worked at doing that. That sounds like you. So your dad was very pro-creative to encourage yeah. it and it's it's interesting that I, I reflect on my childhood a lot and uh i just think it's so great my dad was a monk for 14 years really before he married my mother yeah a, like Mount, a, a buddhist monk uh franciscan oh wow oh no actually benedictine sorry he was at the uh, mount angel abbey down by woodburn oregon and he went in there for high school uh 
and so and then when he was done with high school he just became brother john and was in there for 14 years and my mother was a secretary at the the parish there and they knew each other because my dad's dad when his mother died married my mother's aunt so my mom and dad are like cousins by marriage but they were already <laughs> alive so this is the wrong side of the country for I that <laughs> seriously but so they were already familiar with each other and my dad had a weak heart and the monastery told him that he should leave the mountain and come amongst the people. And so he, his brother lived here in Astoria, and he moved here and started work at the Daily Astorian and married my mom. And he still to this day goes to church every day. But So we grew up in this really amazing, loving household. And uh, he was just very charitable. And I've gotten my gift of giving from him and my mom because we just kind of grew up that way. Was was he like the, I don't know much about, was it like the whole shebang, like celibate and what? At the monastery, yeah. Wow. Yeah. But he'd always get in trouble because <laughs> he's, he's a rebel and... Uh, he would, he would, he always says the reason he had to have knee replacement was because of all of the time he was on his knees uh, scrubbing all the marble hallways with a toothbrush, usually for skinny dipping in the pool. <laughs> <laughs> oh. uh, so they punish you for, for skinny dipping as a monk? Yeah, apparently. <laughs> That's fucking hilarious. I know. Um, you said something that. It, uh, I don't. When you say you reflect on your childhood a lot, because I, I think we're about the same age. I'm 45. I am as well. And I don't. Is that because I f- have found myself a l- lot more recently? I find myself sort of digging through my past and being like, "Is this because I am I this way because of that?" Exactly. Well, and it it's true. You know, a lot of our issues that we kind of I think that over time our suppressions start to come to the surface and then you just have that time where you look at things and I do that. I, but I do this word, I've been the memory for my family for a long time and so I just kind of have photographic memory and uh, just remember details. And so some nights before I go to bed, if I can't sleep, I'll just like do the tour of the house that we grew up in as kids and like go through all the rooms and remember all the transitions and then go for a walk through the forest where we had all of our tree forts and just kind of do that. And sometimes little things pop up. I'm like, oh, I forgot about that, you know? But it's true. Like, I, I, And I'm, I'm at this point where I'm letting go of a lot. I think that the key for myself is to stop holding on to my past, like to let it be a part of who I am, but to not always be holding on to everybody's memories and everybody's things, but I want to be more present in my life. And so it's interesting getting, uh, because I just find that I've been so guarded for so long and getting rid of that Uh helps. Y- yeah. Did I stay on track with that question? No, no, no. Oh. I, I no. I was. It was making me think about a lot of different things. But because a lot, I think a lot of people let their past, especially their um, things that traumatized them, define them instead of being like, all right, they hold on to it, opposed to letting it go. And I, that was just. And I, I guess, yeah, that's. I think something everybody deals with. Yeah, and it's interesting coming back home 
so being born and raised here, and then I've moved away several times, and people still think that you're the same person you were. Yeah. And I, I may look the same, and I may behave the same in a lot of ways, but I am not the same person that I was. And I push myself every day to step beyond my comfort zone and to be a more open open and loving person and to be less guarded and more trusting. And I'd hope to God that I'm not the same person I was. You know? <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what made you move away? Was, or you just oh, to get to I moved a couple of different times. In, uh, in 1990, I moved to Portland when I was just turning 21 and lived up there for a year. And my brother, Ken, was in, in Portland as well. We kind of came out together at the same time in Portland, which was exciting. But you're, did you, I'm sorry, <coughs> did you say your brother? Uh-huh. You, and you came out? We were both gay. Okay, I wasn't sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <coughs> yeah, so, uh, so that was really... A fun time for us, and then I moved back to Astoria. I just wasn't, I just felt too crazy in my head, and I didn't know what I wanted in life, and I just had so much, like, obligation to not wanting to ever break my parents' hearts or anybody else's hearts that I just really didn't, I, so I came back, I guess, as an avoidance tactic, you know, uh. to try to, like, figure it out. And then I stayed here until 94, and then my friend Kim Kyle got a scholarship to go to the, the American Musical Dramatic Academy in New York. And so I got rid of everything and packed two suitcases and left with $500. And I moved to New York to live with her. And uh, New York on $500 is not. <laughs> no. <laughs> I, I, I moved no. there with a couple grand and it was gone in seconds. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it was tough. But we were five people in a two bedroom. Uh, apartment on 56th and 9th Avenue, just right over by Central Park, and uh, so the rent was pretty cheap, and then I got a job within the first week I was there at a place called Cafe Mozart, and... Uh, Where is that? that sounds uh, there's one on 76th and, like, Columbus, and then I worked up on the one on 96th and Columbus. Okay. And... Uh, was there for like a year, ended up managing the place, and then I left and helped open a place called Guy and Gallard, which was on Park Avenue and 31st. And uh, then it just got crazy. It was just, uh, <laughs> well, it was, it's you a know, hard, it's it was a hard town, and we were very, it was during the whole Webster Hall club kid thing, and you know, I, w I only wore platform shoes and knee-high socks and hot shorts. and You were in that, that <sighs> scene? Yeah. I don't have much. I mean, well, I know a little bit about... Well, in 94 to 96, we went to Webster Hall a lot and went dancing and stuff. And I remember uh, going to, I think it was Splash or something, and uh, getting to... I was in there one night and RuPaul happened to come. It was just when, you know, when she was like... It was a couple years after Supermodel came out, and so it was just... I don't know. It was an exciting time to be in that city. <laughs> but it was also an interesting time for me because I just, uh, I like to experience things. And, you know, it's like that whole, like, 
cocaine and lots of drinking and lots of you know it's just like oh my god what have i done to myself you know and then i'm like okay i'm getting rid of it and so i stopped doing everything and joined crunch fitness and like went to 15 uh funk dance aerobic classes a week (laughs) yeah especially when you're in your 20s and you get because i i too sir went down the cocaine road (laughs) but it's like you it's a not to it's a bad pun but it's a it's a snowball <laughs> seriously i know well and it's so funny because, yeah it's yeah it was interesting it was very interesting yeah. but and i and i wouldn't trade those experiences for anything just like i wouldn't ex- trade uh growing up in this town and being beaten up almost every day and being ridiculed all the time like those have made me the person i am and have pushed me to want to do the things that i do with my life yeah, I wanted to, because I don't know much about a story. That's why I'm here is to learn about it. But the the things that I've, you know, they've, I think it's changed from what I've read and stuff. But it used to, it's, you know, it's like, was it kind of a working class? Oh, definitely. We're fucking guys. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. Every, it was just, it was, it was intense. I mean, as a kid, just looking out and seeing the tugs pulling forests up the river and, uh, clear cuts everywhere and everybody going up fishing i mean and there was so it was like a hard-working town there was a lot of money but it was just really violent still and underdeveloped and uh it was and it was the 80s <laughs> <laughs> well because i read in one of your uh in one of your blogs and uh, you're a great writer by the way oh, another thing you. that you I've, I've really loved reading your stuff um and it it's it's very personal. Like you, like I said, when I walked in the door, I was like, I feel like I already know you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and there's a very personable, like, real quality about your writing, which is fucking hard to do that. <laughs> it is, it, but it's the th- it's the thing that I'm just trying to make myself do. To be honest and to like find the words that really express what I'm trying to say without trying to be. Uh, clever i got i'm simple i'm going for simple i do it with everything even my cooking i just like try to keep things simple and i think that's where people screw up the most with it because they're like oh i'm gonna get fancy words and be poetic it's like you're gonna fuck it up (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) Yeah. Uh, i always then i'd use the wrong word and it would be in the wrong tense or you know oh i do that a lot but hemingway did that that always makes me of course and he put a shotgun in his mouth so i don't know if it's a great thing to strive for (laughs) Not for me, <laughs> but because in one of your blogs, though, you said you were, you would, you, uh, unless I'm totally insane, but you said you were getting beat up for being gay before you even knew you were gay. Right? Yeah, I I never uh, wanted to deal with it to deal with that. Like I didn't want to even think about the concept of being gay, and uh, but everyone always saw it on me. I mean, even as a kid. I was going to say, did your parents you th- knew? No? No, but I just interestingly found this out, and I asked my mom about it. And uh, But, well, it, it goes, I, I'll take one step back. I ran into my friend uh, at the salon that I massage out of, that my best friend owns, and one of the, the mothers from Star of the Sea School, where I went as a kid, always comes in to get her wash and set. And she's an old performer, and uh, and she just has always been a very favorite person of mine. And so 
she was talking one day about how it was so great that Sari had a good gay friend because every person should have a gay best friend. And um, and I just asked, I asked Sonia, I said, did, did you know that I was gay as a kid? And she's like, oh, honey, we all knew. You are our special little boy. We just <laughs> protected you. We all have, like, protected you all the time. And... Uh, and I just ran into someone the other day that said that my fifth grade teacher, Mrs. B, uh, was in a class that he was teaching and they had been talking about me and she had mentioned to him that uh, she was the first person that had mentioned to my parents that she thought I was gay and that they might want to say something. But my mom doesn't remember any of that. So it's just like, but it was so interesting that because if that would have been mentioned i mean i think my life would have taken a much different turn if uh i would have known that that, that there was that kind of support there because i mean you grow up having everyone tell you that especially going to catholic school that you're going to hell if you do any of these things i mean even if you get a boner and you masturbate you're gonna go to hell you know and it was just like fuck i'm going to hell And God kills a kitten every time he masturbates, too. I mean, it's just not a happy world. <laughs> I don't know if I like this God. <laughs> but uh, so it's just like really interesting knowing those things. And then everyone would always just kind of yell it at me in school. And uh, I don't know. How would you feel when that would happen? I was horrified because excuse me, deep down, I was like, oh my God, I can't believe that they can see this secret that I'm trying to keep contained and not let, not let out. And because it did uh, fill me with such shame. And so I knew that I, I hid behind a lot of things. I hid behind my weight and I had hid behind my uh, windbreakers that I always wore. And I would, you know, and I would rustle around and try to scoot out of places but I always wanted to be a part of things you know so I remember being on the service club so that I could at least be at all the football games or basketball games but I'd be behind the counter you know and I think that's where the service industry really came into play for me a lot as a way to be involved with things but you still have a safety barrier that's really interesting isn't it When did um, dance become a part of your life? <clears throat> I started dancing when I was younger in like the seventh and eighth grade at Maddox. And then I stopped doing that when I went to high school because I was getting ridiculed so much. But I was still it, in the sixth grade, we joined the Scandinavian dancers. And so I grew up folk dancing because this is a Scandinavian community. And so I did that all through high school. So at least we had that. But, uh, and then when I went to Clatsop College right after high school, I auditioned for the first musical, Fiddler on the Roof, and that just kind of changed everything. (laughs) I started taking a lot of dance classes and uh, doing a lot of performance, and that just kind of kept me going. And then... I learned how to tap dance, and the teacher that I had, Vicki Durst, she ended up moving away at one point and asked me to take over teaching her tap class that she was doing, and so I started doing that, and then I was nervous about not being legitimate, so in 2001, at 31, I 
Is that how old I was? Yeah. <laughs> 31. <laughs> I went back to the U of O to get my Master of Fine Arts so that I could come back here and teach dance and feel confident about teaching it. And so... When you say legit, what do you, what exactly? Cause that's, well, because I, mean, I was teaching dance, but I didn't have a dance certificate, you know. So I wanted to. I went back to school so that I could come back here and offer dance to people with a knowledge base, right? You know, so that I could effectively teach people how to dance and to safely dance and grow through those experiences. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> There's and there's something else it, you, that uh, you are is one of your many creative things and I know very little about it, uh, but I really am fascinated and want to learn and that's uh, the the drag world. Dragolution. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I've is. seen a couple shows in Chicago, and uh, but at the first drag show I saw it was just they were all lip syncing and I was yeah. like, well I could do that. <laughs> yeah. Well, so yeah. But I probably couldn't, by the way. <laughs> it's difficult to do. And um but I just so for my fortieth birthday I had uh a karaoke and lip syncing competition. Mm -hmm. And I invited all of my friends to to come and get on stage and perform with me. And nobody signed up, so I kinda <laughs> did a solo show. <laughs> But all these people came, and so I had had, like, a couple of numbers that I'd put together, and uh, a couple of other friends ended up getting up and and doing some numbers and stuff. But it was such a huge hit, everybody's like, when are you going to do another show? So I had auditions, and I've just started uh, putting on these shows, and then I I decided that what would be really fun is to start making some music and just going out there. And I just had this, this flash two years ago about dragolution and that I wanted to start a drag revolution. And what that is, is not necessarily becoming a drag queen or a drag king, but to take that inner bit of you that you're so afraid of sharing because it's so precious and beautiful that you're, you don't, know how people will respond to it and to to allow that to come out and to dress it up and to just give it some breath you know because it's kind of like it's kind of like when you know you you're like that first time you're going to tell someone that you love them or that you need to quit your job or that you do and you have like all that fear inside but it as soon as it gets air it's like the most beautiful thing that you could do because it's honesty and so I just really feel that about this revolution. And that, and so I talked, I just was driving across the bridge one day and I was just in my head and trying to figure out how I'm gonna bring this revolution forward. And it was a cloudy day and all of a sudden the sun just kind of broke through the clouds and I'm going through the, across the bridge and it's just like the sun is like on my face the whole drive to the beach, you know? And I just have the lyrics to this song pop into my head, you know? I am, I am who I am and no one, no one can tell me that I'm not. And just kind of going on with it and uh, I went to the beach and I went to my rock and I yelled my shit out and just kind of <laughs> took it all in and uh, let a few waves hit me in the face and then went home and wrote it and contacted Tyler Little and Olaf Yidzi and uh, 
we That's just a great started, name. isn't it? <laughs> They're all great people and so talented. And so we just started uh, recording these things. And so <coughs> I put my first family together. I had auditions and I cast 12 people, uh, all men and women, and uh, gave them their drag names. And wow. Uh, started rehearsing and taught, and so from the first rehearsal, everyone was kind of like in heels and like having to get dressed up. And so we went on this journey, and it was just kind of mind blowing. And then we did the show, and uh, I don't know, it was it was insane. It was so cool to be in there and to be <coughs> waiting and seeing like. 300 people in line outside. Wow. Almost all of them dressed in drag of one form or another, you know, and coming in and just, I don't know, the love was just huge. I st clearly, I still get emotional talking it's, about it. It's incredible. Yeah. And, I could, and this is my lack of knowledge, but did you say men and women were in the show? Mm -hmm. So, because I've... And this is my ignorance. I always just was like, it's drag shows are men dressed as women. Right. And so I'm an idiot, right? No, <laughs> no. I just, I just uh, do, I don't go, again, I don't go with the norm a lot of times. And if people are stepping forward and want to do this, why in earth am I not going to let them do it? You know, I and love that. Yeah. And so, so this last show that we did this year, I had everyone be drag Kings. So even the men dressed as men. And so, and that was actually more kind of intense than doing the drag queen stuff because having to tap into that uber masculinity and so it's just a really weird thing like structurally how you move your body like leading from your cock and just like <laughs> no it's just like no. it changes a lot of things and it was just like it was crazy and then so for that word august 8th is our next show and uh i've just told uh, we had where, well, we have. You should come if I you want to come to I rehearsal her. tonight. Yeah. Well, I'm oh, having really? a rehearsal tonight. If you want to come by yes. for a little bit, yes, and watch. yes, yes, okay. yes. Uh, so, and you'll meet Daylight. I'm actually yes. bringing. I've daylight. heard about uh, daylight. <laughs> daylight comes. Yes, Daylight comes, <laughs> and you don't ever want to go home. No. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but so. For this show in August, what I told everyone is that we've explored the the female and the masculine, and what I want for this show is for them to bring their queen forward. Like, I don't want there to be rules on, you know, on their art. And so I want, so I'm really excited to see what's going to come forward. And for revamping the show, we're going to introduce a new music video, the drag queen rap. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. <laughs> I just love it. And like last year, we did a float in the regatta parade. We're not doing it this year, but uh, we actually won the president's trophy wow. in the parade. And it was it was like one of those moments where after the parade, my best friend Sari and I were just like stood in the driveway crying, holding each other because it was so like to walk through the streets of like all of that childhood and all of that history and to be in my six sense heels and gold and black sequins with gold wings and just 
having people cheering and rushing up and wanting to hug. I mean, it's just... It's incredible. It's, it's incredible. I feel like I am just so lucky. The other day, I blab. No, no, that's, that's <laughs> perfect. That's exactly what I want. <laughs> the other day, I was uh, working at the cafe, and I I hug a lot of people. It's just something that I love to do. It's a good thing. It is a good thing. And somebody, somebody's like, God, you really hug a lot of people. I'm like, yeah, I do. I'm so, like, I'm so lucky that everywhere I go every day, I get to like hug people and like share time with people. I get to, I don't know, it's the most nurturing, awesome place I've ever lived. And I, the love is just astounding. Um, that's great. I want, I, I want to back up and go. Is is what you're doing with the drag, uh, art form? Is it is that kind of a new thing? Are you being? Is it revolution? for myself? Or I mean, has has women and have you have other people done the drag king stuff? Is this all sort of a new thing? Uh, no, it's been it's been going on for years and years and stuff. And uh, I remember the, f- yeah, it's been going on for a long time, but. I think that in some ways my my shows are a little different than some shows because it's um, it's a journey. Like we we kind of and you do your own music as well. Mm-hmm. Part of the show is original work, and then part of the show is uh, classic Broadway stuff. That's and yeah, and then it's all very choreographed and <laughs> it's a production number. I'm just lacking, you know, a smoke machine and uh, some lights and some wings and some set pieces. But <laughs> I just do it, you know, it's like, it's all out of, po- I mean, it's all out of pocket and it's all just, I never know how it happens because it just does. Like, I don't have money and it We need just to do you a Kickstarter. <laughs> oh, God. We just did a Kickstarter for the theater to get our digital projector. Oh, great. And it went really well. <laughs> now, when you uh, create your alter ego, that where does that – because you said you um, – you said it comes from a special place inside. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I want to know how that all how that starts and how that comes to fruition. Because you give people their names too, and it's like I did. I'm, I'm like interested in how that gets comes from the the seed to and up. Okay, so uh, it's kind of like daylight. Just she literally came to me like I just saw her one day, and I've been dabbling in. Um, I guess 94 was the first time I did drag, and that was in uh, New York. And then uh, I just kind of have, it always was like my Halloween thing. Oh, I'll get dressed up in drag on Halloween. And even when I did my shows for my birthday, I'd like maybe put a wig on and put some lipstick, but it was never a commitment. And then I was just like, I don't know why I was afraid of committing to daylight but she finally made me and so uh i debuted her two years ago halloween in new orleans went down for halloween and so that's when daylight first hit the streets (laughs) (laughs) and it was fabulous we had so much fun like i remember uh being down by jean lafitte in exile and uh because they'd had a big parade and there was like this band going around and I had my wings, these huge gold wings on and 
the drummer was drumming and I just started dancing and cleared the street. <laughs> it was awesome. And then, uh, so she just kind of, and her, she keeps evolving. Like she's definitely, uh, she's taught me a lot. She's taught me to stop being so ashamed of my body and to just kind of accept it. And, uh, she's taught me to speak a little more openly and freely and, um, it's just been fun, but she's, you know, but then she's kind of nasty and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> which is funny. And, uh, and I, and I, I just love it. And so what happened? So when I was thinking of after I did the auditions and I knew who people were like with some people, like with Cameron, who I lived with, she and I lived in, she lived in this house before me and we lived together and for almost five years and uh so we did a lot of processing together and stuff and so uh we came up with her name with our roommate Sid DeLuca and then uh I had other people kind of I had an oracle who helped me with some names and then I just kind of got dressed up one night and uh lit a bunch of candles and got some fancy paper out and just started thinking about each person in the cast and these names that I had and who I wanted them to be. And so we had, I had a naming ceremony and they all came over to the house and I had champagne and I had written their name on beautiful paper and I had each one come over and kind of sit at my feet and I did a little like <laughs> talk with each of them and like I had uh, some like uh, it was like a turquoise colored powder that Cameron had brought back from India and so like I blessed everyone on their forehead with it and told them that they were a part of my family and that you know I'm always here for them and that I will always love them and never judge them and they will always have a home in a safe place and uh and then we'd cheers and so I did that for everyone and then I asked every person to kind of develop a backstory with their character like you know who is Safonda Dykes and where did she come from and what's her favorite drink and like Daylight's favorite drink is an absolute mandarin and cranberry you know and I make sure that like so I Daylight has her own things that she likes <laughs> <laughs> Now, when the, when you had those first uh, auditions and you said men and women came out, was it people from all sort of sects of, of the town and, or world? Yeah, even? and it was kind of like I've been working with a group of people for a few years, and so we just keep and then we just keep adding some people to the crew and stuff. Is there anybody ever who showed up that you were surprised, like, oh, uh, the oh yeah, bearded yeah, yeah. fisherman is gonna yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and you know it's really interesting. Like uh, one of my favorites is Chris Lee, and he is just uh, this badass uh, tattoo artist, and he's a surfer and uh, just a skateboarder, and uh, he's just a badass. And uh, people were so surprised that he did the show, you know. But uh, he. For, for myself, he is like one of the best performers I've ever worked with because he commits to it. He doesn't he doesn't care. He's totally straight and he doesn't care. You know, he thinks it's it's funny and he hated walking in the hills because it hurt his back. But, 
<laughs> but uh, still, he was just like so awesome in drag because he was like this muscle buff porcelain doll. I mean, it was just like it was it was so awesome. But he like he's not doing the show this summer and stuff. He usually can commit to the to the winter show, but never the summer show. Is uh, I just not to sound too Barbara Walters, but is there a little drag in everybody? <laughs> I think everyone has drag yeah. in them, yeah. It's just a matter of, like, it's to me, what's most exciting is seeing how all of the people that come to the show get dressed up. Because everyone has something that they do. And it's just really, it's really exciting. And people talk about how it's just, the f it's so freeing for them. And that's, I mean, I do that every day. When I get dressed to go out the door, I try to make myself like that extra little special no matter what, you know, just to have something to to keep me lifted up to go out. Yeah, it makes it fun. As you as I'm as you're saying that and I'm thinking too, it's like everybody is kind of I think that most people have a bit of fear and are looking to find a way to break out of it. Yeah. And it's that seems like such a great thing if you embrace it it seems like it almost would be you know you would it, it seems like it would make you ecstatic like a, like a high <laughs> yeah well here's the thing is that i think that most of us don't like having people see us make mistakes but if you think about it it's when we make mistakes and we're in public that we're most alive like when you trip on the sidewalk and you get that giggle inside of you i there's no greater joy in that sometimes you know it's just like I, lo I love it. And I think that part of it, that is what I do, like especially teaching when I do stuff in high schools and stuff. If you can't make fun of yourself, what's the point? I mean, you should be, I, I go out and I make a fool of myself every day. And I think that as long as you're honest about it, it's the truth. I mean, comedy is best when it's honest. And uh, people respond, I think. I mean, if you're that kind of person, people really respond to it. Like, yeah. people want to be a around that. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and and, uh, and your cooking and things, it, it all seems like, and maybe I'm nuts, and that's for sure, but uh, your, all the things that you do creative seems like it's been part of your overall journey as a human being. Is that a nutty oh, thing to say? No, it's totally correct. And it's like, I mean, ideally, in my perfect world, I would have a property out in the country with a barn that's a performance space, and I would be having it be a retreat center where people could come and do dance and do art and just kind of live and heal and eat great food. But since I don't have that, I have Astoria, and that's why like, I work at the Colombian Cafe and I do my cooking there, and then I do private cooking lessons, I do education, I donate a lot of time to people for cooking and stuff. And, and then did you watch any of the cooking episodes? I didn't, I didn't see those for so some reason. Daylight has her own cooking oh, show. Oh, fuck. <laughs> I know, I hate that I missed these. <laughs> and so, so we've been doing, we've done a couple of those. We have a big one coming up at the end of August at 46 North Farms. Uh, my friends, Teresa and Packy, have this farm, and they want to build a new chicken coop, so we're going to do a little fundraiser cooking episode out there, barbecue style, and I'm going to try to get some friends together that might come and play some music and just do crazy things, and 
do this cooking episode, but have it be a big party. Oh my god, that sounds great. When are you doing that? Sometime at the end of August, beginning of September. Okay, so. okay. I just want to make sure we get that out there, so because yeah, yeah. people should come to that. Oh yeah, it'll <laughs> be fun. What kind of do you have a specific kind of cooking you do, or is it sort of? I just kind of I. I kind of have the cafe, the Colombian cafe style. I've worked there for so long, and I've kind of evolved with it. I, it again, I like to keep things simple, so I don't like to over decorate things. With I like everything to be edible on your plate, and I like it to be beautiful, and I don't like it to take a long time. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I, d- I, I do. I like to do a lot of vegetarian cooking and with fresh seafood and such that's my specialty do you lean towards more not a lot of meat stuff more towards vegetarian generally i, l- I love having meat but i don't i know cook it a lot i feel better just eating vegetarian honestly <laughs> yeah my mouth Except feels I better when i'm eating a lot of bad shit but then yeah and then i yeah especially when I'm 45, like, just it doesn't go the way it oh, used no. to. <laughs> I know. Seriously. It's, uh, my body is always just going, what the fuck are you doing? Seriously. <laughs> well, and I'm struggling with not doing gluten because it actually, I, April was a year anniversary of not doing gluten. And I did this experiment to see if it took the inflammation out of my back for pain. And it does. So. That seems very popular up here, the no gluten. I've heard it. it, I mean, it's all over the West Coast, but I've been here less than 24 hours, and I've heard it a lot. (laughs) Yeah, and it's said a lot around here. But it does work for me, and I feel better when I don't eat it, and that sucks because I'm Italian, and all I want is bread and pasta. I'm not Italian, and that's all I want. And just in the... Astoria seems like a very different place than what it was when uh, you were younger. And is it, how is it progressing? Because I do want to learn a bit more about Astoria, too. It has progressed. It's, in my eye, it is just such an oasis now. I mean, everybody that lives here is really kind of kind to each other and everybody's concerned about eating well and living well and being chilled out like people aren't really i mean you can be stressed out if you want but you don't have to be stressed out really it's like i don't know i think it and it's just such an artist-centric community anymore and i really love seeing that yeah it's 20 do you think like 20 years ago could you have done the drag show no so is that in, in a is that a statement about how the town has changed at all? I think so. I really do. I mean, it's from what I understand, it's like one of the biggest things that co- like it's a huge event here. Yeah, it's awesome. It's uh, we have so much fun. It's just it's it's pretty crazy. <laughs> I'm and I'm so happy to be on that train and to get to like, but for me the best. It's just an excuse to get everybody together and have fun. I mean, like standing on that stage and just feeling the excitement and love that vibrates off of everybody in that room is just overwhelming. And I love to have a dance party. And so there's always like a dance party at the end. Like we have an hour dance party. God damn, it sounds awesome. Like I really got to come see this. Yes, definitely. (laughs) I Uh, love it. Do you worry about it all with... um, because Astoria is such a beautiful town that 
it will get corrupted as many great towns do by the corporate evil bastards. That's what Warrington's for. <laughs> <laughs> I think that As- the Astorians care about Astoria too much to let that happen. That is really great. Yeah. That's when we were just in Fort Bragg and they were telling us that whalers were coming in and the townspeople, like it sounds like a movie, like they got in boats and ran them out. And it's such a beautiful thing to see like a town go like, you're not fucking with us. (laughs) Well, and it's not, this is not an easy town. Like I can usually tell when people move here if they're going to make it for three months or not at all, you know, because... Astoria is not an easy place to live. It's challenging in many ways. What are the challenges? Well, uh, for most people, it's the weather. You know, like people think that it's just too gray and it's too wet all the time. And um, I always say that gray is this year's rainbow. You know, I think that (laughs) I always see like the lavenders and purples and silvers and the gray. I don't like see the darkness. So it's never affected me. But a lot of people do have issue with that. And then... People get bored, which always is amazing to me. I'm like, well, we've got the beach and we've got the river and there's places to hike and there's really good food. I mean, there's no no reason that you should be bored in this town. I think if you're bored, that's there's a there's a problem within your brain. Mm -hmm. Because I I mean, I think back like when I was younger, I got bored quickly. Now it's like. We drove for hours, and I'm just like, there's no music, there's no nothing, and it's and there's mountains, and there's ocean, and it's like, that's more than fucking enough. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Well, I find that, like, I often, I like to just be at home with no music on. Like, I like, I like silence. <laughs> I really do. And I think that's something that people, people always just think that I'm this crazy spaz all the time, but really, I just, I'm a quiet, simple person. You don't seem like a spaz to me. Uh, before we wrap up, I just want to ask, um, do you have a drag name for me? What would you, do you, oh, is that, uh, is that another Barbara Walters? <laughs> no. I just, uh, oh, I'd have to think about that for a moment. Okay. Let me just think. <laughs> what is your favorite color? Uh, I think like a greenish blue. Oh, nice. Kind of this color. Yeah, um, yeah. The tattoo is kind of what I, yeah. Huh. <laughs> Gracie's silky bum comes. That might have to be my next tattoo. <laughs> Gracie's silky bum. Oh my god. See, that's cute. I love it. Um, so where can people out in the world find uh, more about you and uh, well I have my website daylightcomes.com with a U C U M S. And will they be able to find all things? Yeah, I have my blogs on there. Like the cooking episodes are on there. Links to the videos from my shows. And uh, I think my email's on there, though. And then I'm also at on Facebook under Marco Davis. Great. Yeah. Thank you very much. Oh, my God. Thank you. You're great. Angry hand jobs. Ask. Thank you very much for listening to Conversations with Matt Dwyer. I hope you enjoyed it. Please listen to my past episodes. Donate money if you can. Support live podcasting. Uh, Go to themattdwyer.com and enjoy all things that are me. Angry hand jobs. Angry hand jobs. 
ass queefs splash the gas hand jobs and angry hand jobs hand jobs ass queefs splash the gas some nights i just lay there repeating over and over self worth self worth self worth and i use it to try to pull myself from the filth of your thighs as i work the memory of the sound they made as you spread them apart in the back of my dark the smell still gagged me as I relived the horror of your creamy lips Dripping their tuna juice all over my hand jobs Hand jobs, angry hand jobs, angry hand jobs Ass tweets slash the gash Hand jobs, angry hand jobs, hand jobs Ass tweets tuna bar slash the gash One minute please, I said one minute please you call me over, you call me over, over and over, and repeat over and over. That's all we cover, over and over. Between Jaeger shots and knife hits, you keep saying you want to touch hips. Jaeger shots and pot pops, and you want you want my top, my spot, but you need a little tug first. A little tug my ass, it's what coin. Hand jobs, angry hand jobs. Ask, weep, splash the gash. It's morning and you still can't get hard. Hand jobs. Angry hand jobs. Self worth, self worth, self worth, self worth, self worth, self worth, self worth. Security Agency to assess and flag citizens of the country who may present a threat to its security. The NSA has clearance to wiretap by any means necessary. Tapped. Incidental recordings of private conversations from the files of the NSA. Now on feralaudio.com.